0: To the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf, Oklahoma, Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we have a packed show after the break. You're going to hear from Parker Sands, the high school kid from Edmond who shot a 59 in the Oklahoma open. So definitely stay tuned for that. But here in this first segment, we have the official Ryder Cup picks, and I'm sure we're going to have some good discussion and debate over whether Zach Johnson made the correct decision for this U.S. team for the Ryder Cup coming up at the end of September at Marcos Simone Golf Club in Rome. I'll just start it off, fellas. Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and Xander Shoffley were already on the team. They qualified before the Tour Championship. As far as Zach Johnson's six captains picks for the U.S. team today, he went with Sam Burns, he went with Brooks Kepka. he went with Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas. T-Dub, I'll start with you.
1: Well, one thing that's cool about this is how long have we been talking about these potential picks now? It seems like for about the last three months, every single show that we've done has involved some sort of prognostication on who Zach Johnson would pick. And now, here we go, and we finally have the six that were chosen. And luckily for for us people that pay attention to the news, the Guardian – had the report yesterday that we covered on yesterday's podcast, and they were essentially spot on with their six picks. So we had pretty much known that this was how it was going to be for about the last 24 to 36 hours. But now it is officially official, Woody, and I think that we all know where this is going to start. Anyone that's listening to this podcast knows how I feel about the last guy that was picked, Justin Thomas. I think it's an absolute mistake. I don't care about his past record. I get that he's 6-2-1 and historically. He's a great team player, even has a great President's Cup record. I get all that. But he has been playing so so bad this year. He missed the cut in three out of the four major championships. Zach Johnson says, oh, you can't leave Justin Thomas at home. Well, guess what? Three out of the four major championships did. So, it's, I, there, there were so many more deserving players, Woody, that deserved to be picked. You called it. You said, for, you've been saying for the last three months, Justin Thomas is going to be on this team. And I'm just sitting here thinking, there's no way he didn't even make the FedEx Cup playoffs. There's no way that he is going to be picked for this team. And what do you know, Woody? You were spot on. And I think we're going to look back on, after this tournament in Rome, or the Ryder Cup in Rome, I think it's going to end up being a very massive mistake.
2: Here's the scariest thing. The last three guys, because I already knew Justin Thomas was on there, and you guys kept laughing at me, or not laughing, but it's not fair. It's not fair. Didn't care if it was fair or not, Justin Thomas was coming on the team. I feel really bad for Lucas Glover and Keegan Bradley, because this was their probably last chance to get on a Ryder Cup team. To be left off the team, the way both of them played in the end of this year, I'd have to sting a lot. And to be left off the team to make sure Justin Thomas gets on, that's even worse. But here's what worries me, guys. After all that, we have talked about the Ryder Cup. What always happens in the Ryder Cup is the momentum switches are huge. They're even bigger when you're in Europe when you have the crowd against you. And that's where we are this year, right? So, now we've got what we call some of the worst putters on our team. Scotty Scheffler, we've all talked about how bad a putter he is, right? Well, Justin Thomas, they've been a whole lot better, has he, guys? Okay? And, And those two alone. Now, is there anybody on our team that you call a good putter? Well, Xander Shoffley, pretty good putter. Sam Burns is a pretty good putter. Ricky Fowler. He's a pretty good putter, Jordan Spieth. Uh, yeah, I know. Jordan feet's liable to miss it from a two feet as quick as anybody. There's my worry, guys. Brian when Harman Brian
0: Harmon's one more that is. He's a good putter,
2: yes. But we got we got at least four guys on our team that I don't think is a good putter. Holm is a good putter, but we got four guys that literally tomorrow. Sam, I'd rather you putt a four-footer than Scotty Scheffler right
0: now. Don't say that.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that. No, that's how much I worry about it. Who we got putting? Because you have told me how bad a butter you are. I think you're better than those guys right now. So, all I'm saying, guys, that scared me the most of anything. We've got some really bad putters going into this Ryder Cup, which doesn't bode well for the United States to win this
0: Fellas, let's start off with Keegan Bradley, Lucas Glover, Cam Young, those guys are we're at the top of the list, in my opinion, of the guys that got left off the team. Bryson and Gooch, different story. We even heard from Zach Johnson today that he didn't even give those guys a call, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. We can get into that later on. But I want to read you guys Keegan Bradley's quote, because in my opinion, Keegan Bradley was the closest to getting on this team and was probably the last guy left off. He Deserved it in my opinion over Justin Thomas and Keegan to Todd Lewis on not receiving the captain's pick said, quote, I could tell by the response from Zach Johnson when I answered the phone that I wasn't on the team. I'm super bummed out. I thought I put together a really good year with two wins, including in Hartford over an elite field. I'm proud of what I've done. I think JT is a generational talent. I've always been an outsider in the sport, but I have tried to get closer to the guys. I thought I would be on the team. I feel like moving forward, I'm going to have to automatically qualify for the Ryder Cup. I am pulling for the U.S. team. Guys, that is my number one question that I wanted somebody with some guts to ask in that press conference to Zach Johnson is all I want to hear, fellas, is that phone call from Zach Johnson to Keegan Bradley or Lucas Glover or Cam Young because all three of those guys are definitely more deserving based on their play in 2023, obviously, than Justin Thomas. There's literally no way that Zach Johnson can explain to those guys why JT deserves a pick more, I would be absolutely irate with Zach Johnson if I were Lucas Glover, Cam Young, and especially Keegan Bradley. I think his quote speaks volumes about that Good old boys club when he says, I've always been an outsider in the sport, but I've tried to get closer to the guys, and I thought I would be on the team. I feel like moving forward, I'm just going to have to automatically qualify. you got to feel crushed for a guy like Keegan Bradley, who clearly deserved a pick.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, you hear that quote and what he says, the deepness of it. And you think about it, too. He he was a guy who was on Ryder Cups way back in the past. He was on the, the 2012 Ryder Cup team with Phil. And then in 2014 as well. So he had not been on what is that the last uh, last four last three Ryder Cups he had not been a part of. So he had been he would have been returning to that. So that's something that really meant a lot to Keegan as well. This isn't someone who had been doing it for the first time. He had had the taste. He had had the 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 golden apple off the tree, but then he hadn't had it in some time. He had lost his game after they banned that long putter. He was he was an atrocious putter, and now he's finally been able to get that somewhat figured out. And, yes, he was, in my opinion, probably the the most deserving guy, at least from the PGA Tour perspective. I'd still rather have Bryson right now than than Keegan. But at the same time, we want to talk about guys that could have been picked in this situation. And I've been saying for a little bit now, I wouldn't even have Justin Thomas on my B team if there was a Ryder Cup B team. And some people have said, okay, yeah, okay, you're getting a little, little ridiculous saying that. Well, I have officially done it. I came up with 12 names who I would rather have on this Ryder Cup team than Justin Thomas. Lucas Glover, Keegan Bradley, Russell Henley, Cameron Young, Tony Finau, Denny McCarthy, Bryson, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch, Harold Varner III, Dustin Johnson, Sahisi Gala. And I'll even throw one more in there, Woody. I would rather have Steve Stricker right now than Justin Thomas. I have officially came up with a United States B team that doesn't even include Justin Thomas. That has, is how big of a crime this is.
2: <laughs> You're hurting me. I'm trying not to wreck my truck right now. I almost drove in a ditch. Um I can't argue with you, buddy, and and I feel like sometimes you and Sam are mad at me because I said, "Hey, Joshua Thomas is going to be on this team." I wasn't trying to say he would deserve it. Please do not get me wrong. But the good old boy and the way this deal works, uh, the politics that go into these Ryder Cup picks, it didn't right. Uh, the Keegan Bradley, listening to his quote, Sam, that you read, his response. Gosh, darn. And that cuts to the core right there. I'm not even a huge Keegan Bradley fan, but I am now I feel I feel so sorry for this guy, that he really deserves to be on that team and they just slapped him right in the face. And uh yeah, he's right, you know, in 2026, uh wherever they're playing, he's going to have to qualify cuz they're not going to get him on the team. So Is that realistic? Probably not for Keegan Bradley. If you really get down to it, all the talent that's out there now. I hate that kind of quote. I don't know what Cameron Young said. I'm not sure if Lucas Glover was that. You could tell with that quote, though, that cut him to the core, boys. That was, man, that hurts. Uh, He and Zach Johnson are not going to send Christmas cards (laughs) together this year,
0: okay? (laughs) That's exactly right. Uh There's no way to explain to a guy like Keegan Bradley or Lucas Glover or Cam Young or really any of the guys that T-Dub mentioned on that list of guys how Justin Thomas played better than them this year. Um, Zach Johnson's explanation for taking Justin Thomas, all he said was, quote, you just can't leave JT at home. Well, like T-Dub said, the weekend at three of the major championships, he was left home for the playoffs, the FedEx cup playoffs that takes 70 players. He was left home fellas. You had to leave Justin Thomas home and it's only going to put more pressure on this United States team. And, This is a United States team, guys, that hasn't won across the pond since 1993. And Zach Johnson just chose Justin Thomas, who's the 58th-ranked player on data golf. He's also the 168th-ranked player in strokes gained putting in 2023. If the U.S. loses... Zach Johnson will go down as the worst Ryder Cup captain ever, considering he is taking a team that is unquestionably not his best 12 guys. And you can say, oh, Hal Sutton this. Well, Hal Sutton took his best 12 guys. He made mistakes Pairing wise, but he still took the best 12 that he could possibly take to go try to win. Zach Johnson and his smug giant forehead are trying to win the Ryder Cup against a great European team with 11 guys, T-Dub. And I think that's arrogant and stupid. The argument that, I, that I've that
1: heard for picking Justin Thomas is the assumption that he is sort of like the Ian Poulter uh, of the president's or team competitions, Ian Poulter was infamous for coming in with atrocious form to Ryder Cups, but then just being able to find that spark in the moment. That's exactly what Zach Johnson is betting on right now. But if you look at the form, it has not been there. His last five tournaments, he's lost strokes game with the iron. So that's not even including the putting, which has been at- at- atrocious, as we've documented for a long time. Really, the thing that's helped save him this year has been a short game. But three out of the last five tournaments, he lost strokes gained in that area as well. So he's been trending in the wrong direction this entire time. The hope is is that he hasn't played in three weeks because he wasn't in the playoffs. And then he has how many ever weeks now to get ready for the Ryder Cup? Maybe he finds a little bit of form. He is that talented, Woody. So he could find that spark at any moment would not shock me any bit if he does come out and play good. It's just, you. I feel like this. You need to somewhat qualify for this tournament, not just based on your name. And he's like people are acting like Justin Thomas is Tiger Woods. He's not the greatest of all time. Yes, he has two major championships, but how he has played this year is absolutely wh- horrible. And then, especially as I mentioned earlier, all the names of guys who have been playing so much better than him this year. If he if he doesn't go above five hundred in this Ryder Cup, it is going to be a major major detriment to Zach Johnson. And as at, my, at this current time that's what I think is going to happen can you think of a worse
2: scenario a guy's not putting very good a guy's not playing very good now he's picked on a team that everybody's questioning why he's going to play how much how much of a worse scenario can a guy go into a major type of event Uh, you know you said if he doesn't go at least 50% I don't know how he can with this kind of pressure on him and here's what you guys got to remember here's what we got to always keep in mind okay He's on the team, but does he have to play very many matches? Okay, if he sends him out in a four ball match and he plays like crap, guys. Now, if Zach Johnson sends him again, Sam, you're correct. He gets the worst coach of the year award. Okay, he benches him till the singles. That he loses his one four ball match and he loses a single. He goes zero and two. That we could almost live with. But if he goes 0-4, if Zach Johnson keeps putting him out there, even though he's not playing his best golf, now you have the definition of stupid, boys. What is that? That's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting
3: different results.
2: So Zach Johnson's got still a way to get out of this mistake he made without compounding it by keep playing in the guy. So let's see what happens. That's what I'm worried about. He's going to keep playing him, even when the guy shouldn't be there at all. If he sends him out four times,
0: shame on Zach Johnson. I agree with you there, Woody. Let's talk about some of these other picks. Sam Burns, a guy that I think played his way onto this team late because, yes, he won the match play earlier on in the year, was playing really solid golf at the beginning of this year, went into a little bit of a slump, but especially in the playoffs, he started playing some really solid golf, and I think him starting the tour championship at even par and finishing at 10 under par, that really showed the current form that Zach Johnson was looking for, uh, and I think that Sam Burns, he was on my picks on my, if I were Zach Johnson a week ago, he was on my picks because, number one, he's boys with Scotty Scheffler. They played Junior Ryder Cups together. They played numerous, numerous tournaments together. I think you will see Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns paired together, maybe in an alternate shot type format, which would really, in my opinion, be a solid team considering you get the putting from Sam Burns and you get the ball striking uh, from Scotty Scheffler. So I actually really like the pick of Sam Burns, um, but it was more of an obvious one to me.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, Sam. I especially think, as you mentioned, the the recent form has definitely been there. He's been playing good. And also to a point that was brought up earlier, The United States doesn't have very many good putters. That's one thing we've been saying for a decent while. And Sam Burns is arguably one of the best putters in the world. I'm still taking the likes of a Cam Smith over him. But still, top five guys you would want on a 10-footer to make, you would pick Sam Burns. There's no doubt about it. So that's definitely something you need. As you mentioned, Sam, potentially alternate shot with him and Scottie Scheffler, the best ball striker in the world right now, hands down. And you give him one of the best putters in the world, that sounds like a very lethal combination. And even watching Sam Burns at Southern Hills, I was just blown away with how he flushes it. He's one of those guys that has a different sound and impact, especially with his iron. has so very high and soft. It's really good. He has an immense amount of talent. So yeah, I am I'm hundred percent on the Sam Burns pick. I think that was one of the uh one of the good things that Zach Johnson did today. I think
2: I think that was the best pick if you're gonna leave one of those guys off. Please don't get me wrong. I, I still don't think it's fair to Keegan Bradley and not so much Lucas Glover, but Cameron Young too. If Cameron Young if we were playing at Whistling Straits, he should be on that golf team. But we're not, we're playing in Europe. So I think Burns was by far the best. What has to happen, guys, in these matches, you guys said it pretty cool what you just said. Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns, pretty good pairing right there. Scares the dog out of me when you start talking about who are you going to pair Justin Thomas with. Well, Justin Thomas looked like he was hitting it decent the last tournament I saw. He's still not putting very good. So you got to look for him to have maybe a Xander Shopley paired up. But Shopley loves to play with Cantley, okay? So now we're, you guys can see where I'm going with this. Man, what's going to be really fun to watch is now that the 12 are there, and we know who they are, How do you pair them together? That'll be our next couple of shows leading up to the Ryder Cup. Who do we pair together, guys? That's my question to you
0: all. Well, you know that they're going to try to throw either Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth together or Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler together. And based on how all three of those guys have played this year, that could go really, really good, and they could start getting the good momentum and good mojo over there and silence the crowd but they could also get buzzsawed if they play and if Justin Thomas especially plays like he has all year, T-Dub. They're setting themselves up for failure.
1: Oh, 100%, absolutely. Yeah, you're going to see the Jordan Speed, J- Justin Thomas team for 100%. That is going to be a, a factor. You're going to see the Shoffley-Cantley team, I think, almost almost every time. But I look back at some of the teams that played at Whistling Straits, and one of the bigger questions I have coming into this is, who is Kepka going to play with? Kapka and actually played in a match together. That was fairly interesting. They did lose to Rom and Sergio, I believe that was Saturday afternoon, whenever that happened. So, and you look at some of the other potential teams, as we mentioned, uh, the Spieth and, and JT, I think that's going to be fine. And then, that was brought up earlier, Fowler's going to be playing with probably either one of those guys to go into it. So, yeah, it's going to be fairly interesting to see how this comes up. You're gonna have you have up, Kepler, I, going to have Sheffler Burns going in there, too. Go ahead.
0: Hey, I, I think yeah. that I could see a home uh, Kapka pairing going, going forward.
2: That's what I think, too. That's where I think those two might end up being paired together. Either that or a Kepka-Harman
1: pairing. I tell you what, to that point, real quick, out of all these guys, of course, the top world-class players, you would probably want them. But someone in, a, in this type of format, Brian Harmon is perfect. He's going to make everybody look at. he's going to put the ball in play. You cannot ask for a better partner in this type of format, would he? I think he ought
2: to play Brian Harmon every round if you can. I think I think that's what I was trying to say to you guys earlier. Just because JT's on that team doesn't mean he's got to play a lot. You don't have to wear him out. If he if he shows any kind of struggle, boy, you get him out of there as quick as you can. Okay? Those other guys we're talking about, Harmon is solid, man. He is solid. And, guys, let's not forget Wyndham Clark. Okay? That's right. You can't go wrong pairing any of these guys. Harmon and uh, Kepka could be – not Harmon, uh, Wyndham Clark and Kepsa could be a hell of a team. I mean, you talk about a powerful team. So that's why I say to you right now, Zach Johnson, he's picked it. He's He's got his bed. Now he's got a lie in it. But his real challenge becomes now. Who's he pair these guys with? And does he let the good old boys force them to play more? I wouldn't be surprised if it was me as a coach, if I see Jordan Spieth kind of playing a little bit suspect or I see Justin Thomas playing suspect, guess what? I don't play
0: him more than two matches, period. Yeah, and that's what a good captain will do. We'll see if he actually does that. In my opinion, Zach Johnson's biggest challenge is who's on the other side. You got Rom Rory Hovland, if not the best three golfers in the world, three out of the top four best golfers in the world, Rom, Rory, and Hovland. And then you got Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Lowry, Straka, Rose, and McIntyre. You could see all of those guys in every single session, fellas. And so to me, yes, the U.S. is favored, but man, if I were betting on it, I would be betting on Europe because no one is giving them any respect right now, especially not Zach Johnson after what we saw him do today with the picks.
2: Well, oh, we, can't it, we can't. We can't bet it, right. if We don't know who the Europeans are, right? We got to wait till the Europeans are picked.
0: Then we get to tell
2: it which team we hey, think can win,
0: right? All I'm saying is those ten guys right there are going to be on the team: Rom, Rory, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Lowry, Straka, Rose, and McIntyre. Those guys are definitely going to be on the team. You're right. Okay, <laughs> I was trying to make the. I was trying to delay our bit, our picks a little bit, but it sounds like I know where you're going. We don't have and to make picks first, today, but I, I'm telling you are. right now, I'm probably going to pick Europe.
2: And I'm going to tell you right now, I might go with you.
1: <laughs> T-Dub, oh, if, what, if, what, T-Dub, what are you thinking? Oh, if we were making bets today, there's zero doubt that I'd be picking the Europeans. Especially, as you mentioned, they're so top-heavy. There's not one player in the world I would not rather play right now and match play than Victor Hovland. And then you add the likes of Rory McIlroy, John Rahman in that mix, and then the other list, of players that Sam alluded to. It's going to be interesting to see who are the other two picks. The Omega European Masters is going on this week. It's going to be uh, a pretty big tournament to see who gets picked because you have the likes of Lovie Aberg, Adrian Moronk, Nikolai Hoygar. These are all guys who have been potentially rumored as guys to be picked. And then you have some other guys who may potentially be picked. Steven Yeager is actually the highest-ranked analytically player of the guys that we hadn't mentioned. He's the 40th, so that would be an interesting pick to go there. Aaron Reisman playing some pretty good golf on the PGA Tour. So I wouldn't be shocked if he does there. So, yeah, there's a, a little bit of golf to be played for the for the Europeans. And it'll be interesting to see who the bottom of that lineup is because we know that what the top's going to do, Woody, and that's going to be play some really good golf.
2: Okay, so I told you guys today I happened to be out at Oak Tree teaching and I saw Victor. And I had, to, I had to go up to Victor and tell him two things. I said, in 2021, I walked up to you and said, even though you're a cowboy and I know I, I'm an alum and I want to pull for you, I can't. I'm going to pull against you in this ride of tough when it was at Whistling Straits. And he looked at me and goes, I remember that. And I, I truly believe he does. He kind of looked a little pee old at me, guys. He was not happy with me. I thought it was going to be kind of a, a chuckling moment, but it really wasn't. And uh, I said, But I got good news for you, Victor. I, I kind of like what you've been doing, and I really like you this year. I might have to pull for you. He goes, I'll get you some European Ryder Cup clothing. <laughs> Beautiful. I said, you, you, you boy, I said, you bring me some of that, and I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> How
0: about that? I would love to see Woody in some European gear. Uh, well, so that goes to show you I'm kind of a slut.
2: <laughs> what else did Avi say to you today? Oh, we were we chatted a little bit. I said I asked him. I said I think uh, there's somebody happier than you. And he goes, "Who would that be?" And I said, "Your caddy." And he goes, "Oh yeah, he's pretty happy too." So I'm thinking his caddy made a little over two million in the last 14 days, guys. I I didn't ask. That's none of my business. So, but I think I think his caddy's doing quite well. I also asked if Victor would be interested in the coming out on our podcast, and he said he'd love to. He said he's busier than a one-armed paper hanger right now. He didn't say that. That was me. But uh, he doesn't know what a one arm paper hanger looks like. But uh anyway, he 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 said he'd come onto our podcast. So guys, we're gonna hold him to it. We're gonna try to get back with him and see if we can get
0: him on our podcast. I would absolutely love that. Um fellas, let's let's do this because one of the main reasons why I like Victor Hovland and the European squad this year so much is because when I look back on the dominant US Ryder Cup team, it's a completely different team in 2023. In 2021, in order, your top six were Morikawa, who in 2023 was a pick. DJ's gone this year. Bryson's gone this year. Brooks is a pick this year. JT is a pick this year somehow. Cantley finished in the top six. So Cantley out of your top six in 2021. He was the only lock top six guy in 2023. The picks in 2021 were V Now, he's gone. Xander, he finished in the top six. Speeth, he had to be a pick. Harris English is gone. Daniel Berger is gone. And Scotty obviously finishes in the top spot. It's a completely different team with completely different chemistry. And let's not forget who was the best player on that team. Dustin Johnson and he is nowhere to be found and I think not only is he great on the course but he's great off the course as well and so fellas this is going to be a completely different team chemistry headed into a place where you haven't won since 1993. I don't know if that's a good thing. There's a chance that it may not be so you look at
1: you have seven guys that were the same and you have five guys who were different so you have Daniel Berger, Tony Fiena, Harris English, Dustin Johnson, and Bryson DeChambeau. And he swapped them out with Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Wyndham Clark, Max Homa, and Brian Harmon. In all honesty, I look at it, you, you lose the DJ and, and Bryson effect, which I think is pretty good. Tony Fiena was playing really good at that time. He's not playing very good. Currently, obviously, while he's not on the team. But Daniel Berger and Harris English, they weren't absolute world beaters by any, when, in comparison to some of the other guys uh, like a Dustin Johnson. But then you had Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, who if he could come back to the form that he had middle of the season, that would be good. You had a major champion and Wyndham Clark, Max Homa, who's a, who's a great putter, and I think will be a perfect in this format, especially Ryder Cup. He seems like the type of guy who would love to silence the European crowd, which is something you need. And then we alluded to Brian Harmon earlier, how good he is for match play. So I look at what you swapped out for what you got in Woody, and I, I get that you have to new team chemistry, but it seems like the players that they added, at least if they get to the, the kind of form, the top form that they had this year. Very, very formidable for sure.
2: I think you're right. When I look at the the way you just evaluated that, I think we've almost got better players. I I truly agree with you. What worries me is I don't think our first six are playing near as good as the first six were in 2021. And let's not forget, guys, Whistling Strikes was perfect for the team we had. We had bombers. We had guys that could launch that golf ball. Plus, we got the home crowd, and we got up early and got on a roll. We're not going to have that advantage in Rome, and I will tell you this: there's going to be. I think this Ryder Cup is either going to be really close, I mean within a half point to a point, which that's what I'm pulling for, or it could get ugly for the American team if if Zach if puts the wrong guys together, and they struggle on the greens, uh, those Europeans are going to
0: bury them, and not this the golfers, the crowd is just going to wear them out. Fellas, I do want to bring up one point with that, though. Yes, they are very formidable and have played great golf, but it's also Wyndham Clark's first Ryder Cup, Brian Harmon's first Ryder Cup, Max Homa's first Ryder Cup, and then you have Ricky Fowler coming off the big, long uh, you know, slump that he had. How will he react under that type of pressure? We saw how he reacted under pressure a couple times this year, uh, and it wasn't great. Justin Thomas also, long slump. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, under that Ryder Cup pressure, if it's just as simple as, oh, on paper, we got a little better considering Wyndham won a, won a U.S. Open earlier on in the year.
1: Well, absolutely. One thing that uh, Woody brought up that's a tremendous point is that the top of the lineup really isn't playing their best. If Scottie Scheffler's putter's not on this, and our best player goes out and isn't able to get that many points, that's going to be a, a real detriment to the team. One thing that he has going for him is that at Whistling Straits, he went 2-0-1, so technically has not lost a Ryder Cup match yet, so that is something to brag about. I think the Cantlay-Shoplay team is going to have to be very, very strong as well. They are uh, fourth and fifth-ranked analytically players, so they are going to have to definitely bring home uh, the, the matches when they go out there because you had two top five players on the same team. It's it's very hard to make up that they don't get it. Colin Morikawa as well. He has a 3-0-1 record at Whistling Straits but we saw how his putter can get, especially on this last weekend at Eastlake. So there's definitely a lot of questions for the Americans, but if, if all their games start clicking at the right time, then it may be enough. But one of the reasons that I think that Justin Thomas pick is even worse is because I think it's going to be a very close Ryder Cup. And whenever you get situations like that, you could have Justin Thomas' putter come out and cost you in the sense of, instead of winning a match, you tie a match. And that half a point could be massive, massive when it gets to Sunday afternoon. So, that's one of the reasons I'm so upset about it is because I just feel like this is going to be a tight, tight race, especially because I feel like the Americans are a little bit more solid team when you add all twelve together, but the the home course advantage is what I think neutralizes out, so I think it's going to be a very tight race, but I think that some of the decisions today made it in favor of the europeans
2: sam Sam, you hit on some really good points because there's not a guy that I've ever talked to, whether it's you know Verplank who played Ryder Cups or you listen to what these guys talk about European and American the most pressure they feel is this Ryder Cup. So to have your first one on foreign soil, that's why I say this thing could get ugly. It, it could get ugly quicker than you guys might want to believe, especially if those guys are a little bit tight and they're a little bit, you know, not I don't want to use the term choke because I don't want to use that, but they're going to be in a different type of format, different type of surroundings than any of them have been in. Those guys that have never played a Ryder Cup, boys, it gets ugly quick. If you've ever been to one, I've only been to one Ryder Cup. And it it is amazing how quickly the emotions and how the crowd gets
0: behind and how fast this turns. And, and what you- it's ugly. You're you're exactly right. And and to your point and to what I was saying earlier, it's not just the fact that there's some newcomers that we don't know how they're going to react under pressure. It's also the fact that the European squad has played in Ryder Cups before. Rory, Rom, Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, and Lowry, and Justin Rose. Those guys are seasoned Ryder Cup veterans compared to the guys that, yes, it could go great for the U.S. and they could find a new diamond in the rough, but it could just be as simple as the European squad is not only playing better at this moment, but they also have more experience. And they just got their butts whipped two years ago. If you think they aren't still thinking about it, you're wrong. If you listen
2: to what Rory has said, you listen to Justin Rose, you listen to a number of those guys talk about how bad they got their butts handed to them at Whistling Straits, they didn't like it. And they won't let that happen in Europe. They will not let that happen. I'm with you, Sam. The more we talk today, the more I'm teetering towards thinking the Europeans are going
0: to be hard to beat. And one more thing, T-Dub, this morning, before Zach Johnson made his picks, the U.S. team was favored in Vegas. They were minus 215. After Zach Johnson picked Justin Thomas, the U.S. team was only minus 132. So it actually went in Europe's favor after Zach Johnson made his Ryder Cup picks, T-Dub.
1: That is a crazy stat right there for sure. But it's what happens is Vegas is a very analytical place as well. So they Definitely think on those things. So whenever you take the 58th-ranked analytic analytic player and you leave off guys like, I don't think Russell Henley would have been picked for the team, but he's a 12th-ranked player analytically. So you had a massive dispersion in the amount of of talent that you brought, or at least form, I will say. I'm not going to say talent because Justin Thomas is definitely a world-class talent. But as a current form, yes, that's a, that's a very good indicator right there. Sam, it truly is. And there's a reason that Vegas isn't shrinking. It hasn't shrunk ever. It keeps getting bigger, and there's a reason for that, and it's because of things like this.
0: The Europeans are still probably going to be underdogs on their home soil, um, but it did show that After the picks today, Vegas definitely thought that Zach Johnson made a couple of mistakes or at least one mistake in those picks considering what the line was. Last night, uh, I just had a former PGA Tour player like one of my tweets. It was Mark Lye, and then he responded and said, if it were me, I would have hung up on Zach Johnson after he gave me that news. He's responding to one of my tweets saying, there was no possible way for Zach Johnson to explain to Lucas Glover and Cam Young and obviously Keegan Bradley how Justin Thomas is more deserving than those three guys, uh, and even you know numerous PGA Tour players agree with the sentiment that Justin Thomas did not deserve to be on this United States Ryder Cup team, T-Dub. I just thought that was interesting that it's not just the media saying this. It, players think this too.
1: Well, hundred percent, and it's been said for a while now that the tour is, or the tour only cares about the big name players, and so guys who aren't in that elite tier, they see how how the world is, and now they see that someone gets picked for the Ryder Cup team based on name alone. They played great throughout the entire season. Yes, if Keegan Bradley had had, had a, a miraculous round on Sunday at East Lake, it definitely would have made the conversation. Harvey, after what Zach Johnson said earlier, I don't think he would have been picked, or if you would have left Sam Burns off pick Justin Thomas because you wanted to pick Keegan on there? You're going to leave Sam Burns home over Justin Thomas? It's crazy to me is how this worked out. And like we said earlier, the, the Vegas odds prove that. But, yes, the, the phone call that needed to be made, and don't even get me started on the guys that, that didn't get a phone call, the live guys. Missed, this is off the list of them, especially the two most deserving, Bryce DeChambeau and our man Taylor Gooch, A 100 times, hundred every time in every universe when the year 2023 has occurred, that those two guys should have been on this team instead of Justin Thomas.
2: And we, we told them that long before this ever happened. We knew those guys weren't going to get a call, period. And, and that's a travesty, but that's the way it works.
0: No, I mean, it's just one of those deals. It's all politics. I mean, if we were taking guys on merit, obviously you would rather take a guy who shot a 58 or a guy like Keegan Bradley who made the playoffs, made the tour championship, or if we were really going based off merit, you'd probably take the American with the most wins in 2023. But unfortunately, T.W. didn't take any three of those players. Let's
1: hope that, this is uh, one of those situations where it looks bad initially, but it may come out to be a blessing at the end of the road. Maybe Justin Thomas goes out and plays miraculously. Like I was saying earlier, he could find his form at any given moment. He could make any swing possible. I saw it at Southern Hills on Tuesday or Wednesday of the championship. He had one of the worst range sessions I ever saw, not even just from uh, – like he wasn't out there shanking it, but you could tell he wasn't hitting the targets at all, and he was very frustrated, him and his – his dad, were looking at his swing, Bones was in there as well. Looked like they were having a powwow after every two swings. They were very serious into it. And then we go out and he wins the damn tournament. I said, there's no way he's going to win this tournament. And he ended up getting to figure it out. So but,
0: maybe that's going to be what happens here. And hopefully for Zach Johnson, that is the case. But hold on. So say that Justin Thomas does play well in this Ryder Cup. Does that all of a sudden make Zach Johnson some genius? Couldn't have Keegan Bradley or Lucas Glover or Cam Young played just as well, even even better than Justin Thomas might play? I don't think we can just deem him a genius just because Justin Thomas played well if he does. I think it's a lose-lose. I think if, they, if Justin Thomas plays horrible, he looks like an idiot. If Justin Thomas plays well, the other guys probably would have played just as well as Justin Thomas did. I, I, that's why I think uh-huh. In my opinion, it's a lose-lose pick. That's why it's a bad pick.
1: Well, I'll say this, Sam. When it comes to how I view the situation, I completely agree because it's the principle of the matter. You play so much better, and I listed off how many ever guys, I listed off 13 guys who are more deserving than Justin Thomas based on just play this year. But when you talk about how he's viewed among the golf masses and the golf media in particular, especially the golf media, they're going to love him essentially no matter what. But it, we live in a results-based society, so if they go out and win the tournament, Justin Thomas plays good. Yeah, yes, the most people are going to think like Zach. Zach, that uh, excuse me, that Zach Johnson looks like a genius. I'm not going to say he looks like a genius. And like I said, it's more the principle of the matter of the the whole thing to me about being able to play. But as far as how everyone else uses him, 100. Uh, percent That's how it'll go if Justin Thomas plays. Woody,
0: good. do you disagree? Do you think that Zach Johnson would be a genius if Justin Thomas plays well?
2: No, I don't. I do not think we should make. Zach Johnson is genius if Justin Thomas plays well. I think we do need to remember they're all world class players, and, and they can at any moment find their golf swing. Just like T.W. was talking about the PGA, you end up picking to win that way, can he wins. So I don't think Zach Johnson will be the biggest idiot in this deal unless he overplays him. Like I told you, if they get off to a rocky start. That's where Zach Johnson's got to earn his pay as the coach, guys. He has got to figure out who he's got over there that can play. And whoever they are, he's got to wear them out. He's got to play them as many matches as it takes and leave the other guys on the bench until they have to play in singles. That's what the European team has done so well in the past, gentlemen. They find their horses and they ride them into the ground. The American team doesn't – Seem to want to do that as much, but they need to this year find his horses, ride them to the bitter end. That's what has to happen
0: in Rome. Yeah, and they got to make clutch putts. I think that that's going to silence that European crowd. And uh, guys, you both played competitive golf, and and, what do you played at a really high level? The main thing when you are nervous or in an environment that you do not feel comfortable, you have to settle into that round as quickly as possible. And the best way to do that is to make some clutch early putts. And I think that's going to be the key for the U.S. team. I think they're going to hang around, but I don't see this Ryder Cup T-Dub being some blowout on the U.S. side. I think it could be some sort of blowout on the European side, um, but if the U.S. wants to keep it close and possibly win, even though they're the favorites in Vegas, I don't care about that. In my eyes, they have to make early putts, uh, and we'll see if they can do that.
1: Well, one thing that that's to note is we talk about Justin Thomas in particular, and you, to the point you were bringing up earlier, we didn't confound his form in, in that situation. I'm not too concerned about him finding a swing. I feel like that's something that can click at any point. But he has been putting so bad for so long that it's hard for me to think that all of a sudden he's going to come out and make putts. So that's the thing that I'm most concerned about in that situation. And just the way that the course is going to set up as well. It's going to be the exact opposite of what we saw at Whistling Straits. Whistling Straits was... Wide open and long. This course is going to be a little bit shorter. Going to be narrow. Greens are probably going to be a little bit slower. It's going to be very position. It's going to be set up very much like the 2018 Ryder Cup was in France, where we got absolutely obliterated. So let's hope that that's not the case. I think the odds of a a United States domination like we saw at Whistling Straits are almost zero point zero percent. In all honesty,
2: yeah, we're not going to dominate. I don't see any way shape or form are going to dominate. I do think we can still win this thing, especially if we find some guys in, in form. One thing that helps us in a big way, guys, is I said this earlier, they're, they're tired. These guys are worn out. They need a break. They need to take some time off. Uh, they need to get their self-focused and get ready for this event and, and practice while they're at home. Uh, J.P. needs to go and play as much golf as he can with Ricky and all those guys that live down in this area. But and Kepka has got do dupe for Florida. I know Kepka's got to live in that, here in a couple of weeks, but he needs to play a lot of golf with those guys and get comfortable with each other and go from there. I just know this is a month away. But there's going to be a lot of him on talking, uh, but I think we're going to be okay. I think the, the Europeans are going to be good. We're going to be good. It should be a heck of a dog fight.
0: No, it is definitely going to be a dogfight. We can talk more about the Ryder Cup in coming weeks, but we need to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast. After the break, you're going to hear from Edmund North's Parker Sands, who is verbally committed to the University of Florida, and he is on the podcast to talk about his 59 in the Oklahoma Open. If you are not already subscribed to GolfOklahoma.org or our podcast, definitely make sure and go do so. It's absolutely free. It just helps us out, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop great episodes like this one. Also, follow us on social media at the seventy third hole. On Twitter or X and at 73rd hole on Instagram as well. T dub, any final thoughts before we go to Parker Sands on the other side of the break on this Ryder Cup stuff?
1: I just hope that this turns out to be a situation, as I mentioned earlier, where it looks bad on paper and ends up being a blessing in disguise because I'm not very optimistic on the, the Americans right now. Yes, because they win in 100%. They're extremely talented in all realms of endeavor. But At least one current foreman is not looking very promising, hopefully Justin Thomas ends up not looking a horrible pick and i I just hope that we don't run into a, a two thousand and four situation where we're just- absol- absolutely steamroll and Zach Johnson is the new house sutton. I just hope that we can avoid that situation as much as i if I had to bet right now that's probably what's going to happen i uh, I sure hope that that's not the case
0: it's going to be great. Radio and podcasting to talk about over these next few weeks. Woody, thank you. T Dub, thank you. This is Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the seventy-third hole podcast.
1: Hey everyone, T Dub here. Want to take a second to tell you about my good friends
0: Back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Speaking of Golf Oklahoma, you can go to golfoklahoma.org right now and read an article on our next guest, Parker Sands of Edmund North High School, going into his senior year at Edmund North, verbally committed to the University of Florida, the defending national champions. We'll get into that in a second, Parker. But we are having you on because in the second round of the Oklahoma Open last weekend, you shot a 59. And Parker, the way I wanted to start this show is obviously I played at Edmund North. You know, I, I played college golf, I've seen a whole lot of golf. And to me, this is the greatest feet for any high school kid in the long history of Oklahoma to shoot a 59 in the Oklahoma Open, a professional event as a high school kid. That tops the list to me. How does it feel to shoot a 59 in a professional event as a high schooler?
3: Oh man, I can't, uh, I can't really put it into words. I mean, um, you know, I just, I've been working on my mental game recently and just taking one shot at a time, try not to get too much ahead of myself. And once I um once I got to that number, I was just like I have to like lock in. Once I got to eleven under through sixteen, I was just like, Okay, just two more and then I just got it to one more and just there I don't think there was a greater feeling than tapping in for that fifty nine on a uh, nine green, which was my eighteenth hole.
2: You know that's what I was curious about which nine he finished on because and and I was glad you explained it to me because I wasn't sure how you had your round how it finished whether you had birdie the last hole or what it was. Let me ask you this: I mean, I've never shot 59 in a golf tournament, and I'm an old man. So good uh, to you that you've already done it as a very young man. <laughs> when you were coming down the stretch, you obviously knew where you were. Uh, sometimes we get kind of lost when we were making that many birdies. You knew where you were going into that 16th hole, which we hole number 7 there on the east course. So, do you think it's going to be easier the next time to not have that pressure of trying to finish a 59 and maybe birdie in the last hole to shoot 59 or 58, which you probably don't do to do. What was it like trying to play those three holes sitting on that 59 bubble? I think that would be harder than trying to
3: burn the last hole to shoot 59. <laughs> yeah, it just goes back to what I've been working on. I mean, uh, just staying in the moment, I try not to get ahead of myself, and I know every shot was important. I always just take a nice, deep breath and just try to visualize the shot before,
0: and it's just been working. It definitely worked that day, I'll tell you that. You know, we had Blaine Hale on yesterday. He shoots 16 under for the golf tournament. I'm looking at these numbers over here on uh, the purse list here. You got $10,000 to the winner of the Oklahoma Open. You know, the guys right around you made about $1,000 or a little over $1,000. There's got to be a little part of you that wishes you're tied for eighth finish in the Oklahoma Open. You could have gotten a little money, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like
3: I expected to get a big payout coming into the week. But, um, you know, that's up to the OSSAA, I think, the Oklahoma sports. And they just wouldn't let me accept the money. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to finish my high school season. So, I think – I think uh, high school golf is a little bit more important than
0: that. No doubt about it. Well, hey, so tell your story a little bit because you didn't grow up here. I think you moved here in the eighth grade, correct? And tell that story about moving to Edmond and now playing, you know, on the Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour, all of that stuff. And kind of tell us how you got here for people that just learned about your name this week after the 59. Okay, so –
3: and I think it was when I was like ten or eleven, I uh I was playing US Kids Regional in uh Arizona and I got paired with Ryder Cowan in the practice round. And uh my dad and his dad um were in the same like industry and like selling slot machines and stuff. So they clicked like right away and we just Me and Ryder clicked as well. So, to be honest with you, if I wouldn't have met Ryder, um, we'd probably be living in Tulsa right now. But, um, so, yeah, in the seventh grade, my dad got, uh, yeah, we moved from my dad's job. And um, I knew it was a big opportunity for me to step up my game because in Minnesota, you can't really practice all year round with all the no storms and it just stays all year and it's just kind of a bummer but here I can really tell that my game has been staying with me the whole time and it's just, it's just awesome.
2: How in the world is a young man like you that just shot 59 and plays as good as you are why are you having to qualify for your golf team? Is your golf team that good that you might not be on that golf team? Uh,
3: no, nah, I think it's just part of the process. He doesn't want to fessel anyone out and i don't blame them. but uh you know guys on our team they can they they have the game to do that it's just whether you can just do it or not to be honest with you and that's it's so hard to go low and you just can't think about it too much otherwise you freeze up and then you start playing protective but um <laughs> Yeah, I don't really mind qualifying. It's fun. It's extra like a little extra pressure and I just I just love playing tournament golf because it just it just brings out my best game to be honest with you. I just don't get into that same like locked in mode that I need to be when I'm not just playing for fun with my friends or something.
0: Parker, I'm curious about and I want you to expand on when you said you've really been improving your mental game recently. And I feel like that's where especially younger guys and high school kids really separate themselves from really good to great to elite players like you are now. Um, What things were you lacking in and what things have you improved in your mental game and what do you work on on a daily basis as far as in between the ears? Well, um, my coach, the University of Florida
3: coach, JC Deacon uh we had a chat and he gave me a checklist that I should do be, uh, before every shot and um I've been really working on getting that checklist down and it's uh let me pull it up here so I like I have to visualize the shot and then I just identify everything that I can control in my shot and if I hit a if I hit it good and it just wasn't the way I wanted it I can move on with uh like clarity and go on to the next shot because then I knew I did my best on that shot and then I can move on without any regret or anything and before I started doing that I just um just kind of lost it in one tournament where I was in contention and uh I just got ahead of myself and thought I made uh, this cut and I just, just fell apart, really, and that's when I really knew that I needed to work on my mental game.
2: Now, here's a here's another question for you, Parker. University of Florida, not that I think that's a bad school by any stretch of the imagination, but usually when you think of the kids here in our state with OU and OSU being so good that you might kind of want to stay around home or stay around the our state, but obviously you have a real bond with this coach He's already working with your men outside and, uh, other activities. So why Florida?
3: How did Florida even come into the picture? Uh, great question. So as you know, uh, I wasn't born here, so I didn't really have any connections with both of these schools here. Like they're both great. No doubt about it. They're both great golf schools with, uh, coach Hibble and coach Bratton. But, um, you talked about EJ's sister before and uh, the assistant coach for Florida is uh, Dudley Hart. And they grew up North in Buffalo, New York together, I think. And um, I think Dudley called up EJ and said, you got any players for me in Oklahoma. And lucky enough for me, EJ recommended myself and they gave me a call probably two weeks after the deadline because the deadline for junior golf is like, so you can like talk to coaches. It's like June 15th after your sophomore year of high school. So they just gave me a call. I mean, we just clicked on that call, man. It's just awesome. I couldn't ask for any, any better coaches.
0: No doubt. I, I think it's a great choice, defending national champions. They're obviously doing some great things. Not only defending national team champions, but Fred Biondi winning the individual title as well. I'm sure that's going to be a great spot for you to end up, Parker. Obviously, we're coming to an end in the summertime, but obviously you got your high school tournaments coming up. What will next summer look like as well? Ooh, um, so I'm going to try to uh,
3: get my ranking up a little bit my goal is to make the junior invitational at Sage Valley because my friend uh, Ryder he went uh, this year and he, I could just tell that was probably the best week of his life so I think that's one of my goals I'm going to try to make the US Junior M again I made it about two years ago and then I just came up short the last two years in the qualifiers And then I'll try to make the USAM, And then uh, just see what happens and then probably transfer my game into college, you know?
2: Hey, Parker, I I got good news for you on something because uh, I'm a little bit older than everybody around that you know, but guess who I was really good friends with for a long time? That would be Dudley Hart. Dudley Hart played a lot of uh, professional golf and I got to spend some time with him. So I really... And now that I understand where you were coming from, I think you made a really good decision with that. The only thing I'm going to warn you of is when you're down there playing, they've got these things in these ponds called alligators, <laughs> which I'm sure you're fully aware of. You, you don't have and little snakes, and stuff like that. you got something to eat you. So be careful there, little buddy. Be careful when you go down there to Florida. The other thing I was going to warn you about, and I'm not – Questions. i'm trying to be a father for you the other thing you've got at the university of florida is some really really pretty women so you need to stay focused on your golf little buddy okay <laughs> they will be there whenever you want them there you stay focused on your golf okay this is like a dad talking to you and i promise you your dad's glad i'm saying this to you on the radio will you do those things for me watch the gators and don't worry about the girls okay
3: all right, I got you. I'll have some tunnel vision going into University of Florida just for golf.
0: No doubt about uh, it.
2: That's what you need to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good advice there from Woody Parker. I gotta ask Edmund North, who. I played for Edmund North back from 2010 to 2014. Uh, We went on a little run there of 10 straight state titles, and you guys did get a couple after I left. You got ones in 16, 17, 18, and 21. But there's a two-year gap there. What do you guys have to do this year to get that state title back? Because when you put on that power in and put on that Navy on the last day, you're expected to win at Edmund north What do you guys have to do this year to get that state title back? Last year, I think we were just a little bit too
3: separated as a team going into the state championship. And we were both just probably a little separately nervous, and we didn't talk about it, so I think we just need to be a little bit more of a team, maybe go on some team bonding retreats of some sort but uh I think if we just stay more as a team uh I think we could get the job done pretty easily there but there is some tough competition up in Stillwater and uh in Tulsa, of course, so I think uh. Our games will be tested for sure. But, you know, we'll try to be the best we can, you know.
2: Parker, that's, that's a great attitude. and That's what you're going to have to be able to do. I, my question here is, is as you go through your years, okay, and you're going to be in this golf for a long time, when you talk about the mental aspect, how are you working hard on the emotional? Because emotional in golf is just as much as the mental. How do you control your emotions when you're out there, especially as young as you are? Are you working on that
3: also? Great question. Um, You know, I just kind of hit this mode when I started taking golf seriously that throwing clubs and getting so mad that it affects your game, it doesn't help anyone at all. And all you can do is just focus on – doing your best at each shot, and uh, I i won't lie, you know, I give my bag a little slap here and there, maybe slap the head cover around, but uh, I never, I try to never let it affect the way I hit my shot
1: pretty good answer right
2: there, Sam, for a little 17-year-old kid. Uh, Keep that attitude as best you can because we both know, Sam and I talk about it all the time, the the trials and tribulations you're getting ready to go through playing this game. All you remember, I tell all my students, all the kids that I ever worked with, the Carl Albert boys, that I had this fun time working with, golf is not a merry-go-round. A merry-go-round is for people that are boring. Why? What's it do, Parker? It just goes around the a circle, doesn't it? Yeah. The game, you, can get,
3: the game you can get humbled is, real quick.
2: Right. Well, the game of golf is a roller coaster. And the reason why we love it is because you get to go up and then you get to go down. And going down is almost as exciting as going up. Always remember, you're trying to get better every day. And the other thing is, is no matter what it's throwing at you, that face... Um, You will come back. It will never be so bad that you can't come back. You just keep that that attitude you got. You're going to go a long way.
0: When we have you young guys on, I always think it's interesting to ask because my generation, and obviously I was born in 1995. I'm old compared to you guys now, but my inspiration when I was growing up was Tiger Woods. Now, Who was your inspiration as far as maybe professional golfers or who, you know, why did you want to get into golf? Who made golf cool to you as as a young guy? Who did you look up to as far as guys on the, I'd say on the PGA Tour, now just professional golf now that we have Liv and all of that?
3: Um, So I think my dad, he got into golf a little bit later. I think he was about mid-20s, and he started going the course after – me and my sister were born and um and he went to the course and my mom was like you better take one of these kids with you and he took me and uh apparently they just saw me swing a club and just knew it was it you know i was cross handed i i had left hand low for a little bit but <laughs> but um i think i think it was still tiger at the time for my idol growing up because it's all I really saw. It's all I really remember, to be honest with you. I didn't see him win a lot, but I knew he was just, he was the best and you couldn't compete with him.
0: It's amazing how Tiger transcended generations. It really is. Um, By the way, I forgot to ask this earlier. I mean, is 59 your lowest of all time? Did you ever shoot 59 before this? No, no, that, that that was the lowest right there even 59. even at, not in a tournament what was your lowest even not in a tournament before uh before the 59 in the second round of the oklahoma open
3: um i think the one practice round i shot a 62 once and then like the next day i didn't do so well but <laughs> yeah i mean 62 was the lowest in tournament and in the practice round and yeah 59 in the oklahoma open was um uh, like i said i just I can't get as locked in as I can playing a tournament round than a practice round. I just get into this different mode that I, the sense of urgency that I need to hit a good shot, you know?
0: No doubt about it. That's a gamer mindset. That's a mindset (laughs) that you got to have. And uh, Parker, my other question I meant to ask earlier is when you had that pup for 58, were you trying to make that or just lag it as close as possible? Let's get it in the house at 59. Well, first
3: of all, I I said, no way in hell am I hitting this firm. And, uh, you know, I just read it like I normally would, and I just kind of took a little tentative stroke. I left it in the jaws short, but it was, if I gave it enough, it was going to go in, which was crazy. But at that point, I didn't really care. It's that
0: threshold of 60 that you got to break. I don't think it really matters after that. No, it absolutely doesn't, and you'll go down in the history books as the high schooler who shot 59 in the Oklahoma Open. That's Parker Sands, everybody, from Edmond North High School going to the University of Florida, and I guarantee you after this interview, Parker, that... You will have, even though there's a bunch of people that support Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in this state, you will have people rooting for you at the University of Florida. We really appreciate you taking the time and coming on the 73rd hold today.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for everything, man. I really appreciate you guys letting me come on the show. Yeah, good luck this year. Good luck. Thank you. you. You Have a good one, guys.